0: This is the Gambling Gauchos. let me uh i got some okay hold on hold on hey if we keep playing and fighting for each other and no matter what happens we just say what's next that's all we do somebody turn
1: You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech. Betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need. Money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan?
0: That'll be the day.
1: Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro. And Ryan Mainville line matadors, the casino cowboys, the parlay picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. <laughs> the gambling gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been.
0: Ooh, welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. That first intro was fire, but I was muted. So uh, the video stream saw my mouth moving and was like, look at that idiot. We are in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. You can go gear up for Texas Tech basketball, maybe a tournament run. Eh, we'll talk about it. Texas Tech baseball as well. Never going to lose. And hopefully they don't lose tomorrow because I would feel bad. Uh, I'm here with Kyle Jacobson. And Ryan Mainville, if we had a dunk contest between the three of us, I would put my money on Ryan Mainville.
1: I'll be honest. Kyle, would that offend you?
2: I did dunk once.
1: Ryan Tell me dunk. the story behind your dunk, Ryan.
2: It was my sophomore year of high school. I was peaking, peaking in my high. I was like one at the time, and we were just in the gym, warming up before practice and just went up for it and sort of tossed it in the rim while also touching the, the cylinder. So I called a dunk, Um, probably not a 50 like matt McClung, but hey, it's each their own. You said this happened at practice? Before practice, yeah. I'm talking about practice? Yeah. We not a game.
1: You didn't nope. dunk in a game. Nope. I'm talking about practice.
2: Yep.
0: The,
1: How many times do you know? If practice counts, and I, I don't know, um, similar deal. I, w- I was a late bloomer. My senior year of high school is when I finally got athletic, and um, so me and some guys who played football, like we weren't good enough to play basketball for the school, and so we joined like the the rec league <laughs> for like high school students, and we played there. I wanted to dunk – the only time I thought about trying to dunk in a game was coming out of half, we would always set up on the wrong end of the floor and then, like, inbound the ball and get a free layup on the side that we were actually supposed to be shooting on. And I was like, this is my shot. Like, there's nobody there. I have all the time in the world. But I was like, it would be so embarrassing to miss a dunk in a game, especially when you're wide open.
0: Especially in a rec league.
1: Yeah. No, I hey, if we lowered it down to, like, nine feet – Feel like we could actually do a, a dunk contest at at ten. I don't think any of us could do it, so it would it would be pretty pathetic. But
0: yeah, yeah, nine feet. I think I could get that. It's the you know it's the nine that would maybe maybe like nine and a half.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all ever have the the goals that hung on your bedroom door? Yes. hundred percent. Oh, or
1: the uh, the got
2: competition one. there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe
2: some
0: pig. I don't know if I could do anything for content, I guess. All right, uh, Texas Tech basketball, three in a row? Maybe? Figuring some things out. Ryan, what's the biggest difference between winning and losing for Texas Tech basketball? Because it felt like they played pretty good for the most part. Uh, and I thought this weekend was their biggest win of the season so far. I know you had the big comeback. I know you had the win at home against Texas, but doing it on the road, I thought even against a a team less talented, was was really big for this team.
2: Yeah, yeah. it definitely was. And, I mean, if you want wanted to have any conversation about making the tournament this late after, you know, an eight-game losing streak to open Big 12 play, there was just going to be no conversation if you lost this one. And as you mentioned, kind of a down year for West Virginia, not the team they usually are, but they just manhandled you in lubbock earlier in the season just destroyed you on the boards you couldn't make a shot to save your life and then you come back this weekend in morgantown your offense plays a lot better you shoot better from three and you out rebound west virginia in one of your best rebounding games as a as a team over the past 13 years and so i think that's a lot of what goes behind that west virginia victory but really You know, out of these last three games and even the five out of the last seven, it's really been just shot making for Texas Tech. Wherever they can get it, they won some games because Kerwin Walton was the guy making shots. They won some games because Pop Isaacs was the guy making shots. Davion Harmon obviously took over for a while. And now it's Jalen Tyson. And so this team, you know, it's been a conversation throughout the season that they don't really have a guy. And I think that's that's probably still true. But on any given night, there's somebody on this team that will find a way to to make shots and to keep Texas Tech in it until the final buzzer, and right now that that's been enough to win them games.:
1: I think people might undersell West Virginia as a team from the standpoint of like their conference record isn't very good, it's the same as yours, but for whatever reason, the computers have loved them all year, so they were like net I think twenty three at the time of the game, I think they're 32 now. Um, But anyway, I think you got a lot of credit for the win from that standpoint. And, um, you know, I don't know what people think about the whole net system and quad one system, but mathematically like using net and everything, that was a better win than some other bubble teams have like in their top three or four wins on their resume. And so from this point on, you want West Virginia to hopefully finish strong down the stretch and kind of they're pretty firmly on the bubble, but if they can maintain a top 30 net to end the season, that'll look like a really, really strong win for you.
0: Early question here, uh, power rank the big 12 wins for Texas Tech this weekend. Uh, now that you've had all of the wins, I still think this is the most important win you've had uh, selfishly probably you know, Texas at home. I always state that comeback. Uh all all big ones. Really big, in my opinion. I don't know if I could power rank them. Probably the West Virginia win though, because you found out some more things and, and on the point of kind of having a guy every night, a different guy, most nights. Sometimes nobody shows up, but I'm not saying that this team is going to figure it out to the extent that uh the good team did that went to the national championship game, but that's what they had. You know, it was Matt Mooney, it was Jarrett Culver, it was Tariq Owens would have a big game. Brandon Francis would pop off every once in a while, and you had that kind of depth. Uh, you have to have that in the Big 12. You can't just live with one guy. Um, very few teams do it, and it takes a, an incredible player to, to live that way.
2: Yeah, and I think West Virginia is living through some of that right now, even with their own offense. And so I think, you know, there are downfalls to this Tech team. You know, they're, they're very top-heavy really any guy in their starting lineup this season can be the biggest problem for you. But outside of that, I think you're still just kind of looking for, for anything to give you production off the bench. And so that 18, 19 team, obviously they had a a lot of that coming off the bench, a lot of really good role players. And I also think they had a system that they really fit within. I don't know if that's there for this Texas tech team but what they're doing, I mean, offensively, ha- has been enough to win them games so far. I think they're still trying to figure out figure it out on the defensive end. But for right now, they, they seem to be winning games uh, on the offensive end.
0: Two things you mentioned right there. Uh, in my opinion, that was the best defensive game you've played all year. Uh, I don't know what the metrics say, but the disparity in paint points, the the rebounding advantage – um, I don't know that you closed out every opportunity you had on defense, and it certainly wasn't elite, but that was a really good defensive game in my opinion. Was that maybe maybe Kansas State? I don't know. I just felt like that was a complete game defensively.
1: Interesting, too, to look at the rotation. Um, Kerwin Walton was in the starting lineup. Um, and They kind of went like the – Dylan Duschek, Ryan Shedder route, he only played for 10 minutes. Then Pop comes in off the bench, plays 29 minutes. Nobody else on the bench played double-digit minutes. And so the rotation really tightened up. Amac 32 minutes, O'Banner 32, Tyson 36, Harmon 30. So I, I don't know what it will look like moving forward. I don't know if Bacho win or if he'll come back and what type of condition he'll be in. But – you might kind of be rolling with those five guys playing thirty plus minutes each, and then just getting a breather here and there. Um, having said that, we've also seen the lineup just be extremely fluid throughout the season, and so I, I could be totally surprised and maybe one of those guys that played six minutes in Morgantown plays twenty four in Norman, just like out of nowhere. We've certainly seen that happen before, but uh, we had a comment in the chat about Amac. And I had to listen to part of the game on the radio. So I missed watching some of it. And I remember at one point they said he was for seven from the field. And I was just like, man, i again, like I didn't have eyes on it at that point. And so wasn't quite sure what he was looking like. And I was just thinking to myself, man, he just might not be in condition to do this. And it's unfortunate for him coming back from that injury. And he only finished two for 11. So nothing to write home about there, but he got to the free throw line was 10 of 10 there. And the, Every single one of them was huge for you. So he was able to finish with a double-double, 14-12. It wasn't pretty, but you'll take it.
0: He really took over at the end too. And look, for Amac to be successful, he has to be able to get the ball in the paint. Now I know there's pick and pops and short rolls and pick and rolls that you can do with with Fardos Amac, but I don't know that you have the guards that are really good at that. I know we really wanted to do that early in the season, but when Pop Isaacs went down – Lamar Washington struggling with ball handling. Um, I don't know that Davian Harmon, that's his game. He would rather drive and dish, I think. Um, emphasis on the drive. But if you can uh, get that going, I really do think Fardos, and you have to figure out how to get some angles. Uh, Jalen Tyson, Davian Harmon, Lamar Washington, Pop Isaacs I have to figure out how to get angles and get it down to both O'Banner and Fardos. I thought that really opened up the game. Um, At the end, I did have a question, too. How big was it for Pop Isaacs to return? Because there was some flittering on social media. It was just one guy, really. But uh, more than one guy said that the offense opened up without Pop Isaacs, and the offense was better without Pop Isaacs because you started winning. Um, I flat out disagree with that, but I want Ryan's take on the impact of Pop Isaacs' return.
2: I mean, I'm just there, there's not many teams in the country that really have a guy of his caliber. And I, I think that's lost on a lot of people because he is a freshman and he plays like it at times, and that that's just kind of life. Um, as a true freshman point guard in the Big Twelve. You can't expect them to be perfect, especially this year. Like all things considered, for Pop Isaacs to be missing as much time as he has, to be battling an injury throughout the offseason and to be here in Big 12 play and he's averaging 12 points per game, three assists, a a steal and a half and under three turnovers. Like that's a massive success. And that doesn't even take into consideration the spacing that he creates when he's on the floor because of his ability to shoot the ball, especially off the dribble. And that's something that I think Texas Tech may not have outside of Jalen Tyson. And even that it can be Hit or miss behind the arc, and so his ability to just take those pull-up threes—they're like off the pick and roll, or whether it's coming off a screen uh, on the wing side—it's just it's unmatched, and he really elevates your offensive spacing.
0: And there's two things to say there because some people say he shoots too much. Um, I say Texas Tech should shoot more. Other guys just weren't taking shots when you were losing. Other guys just weren't taking shots. He was passing, and then the ball was getting back to him, and he was shooting. Um, I think Jalen Tyson has been much more aggressive. Davian Harmon, obviously, in stretches, has been really aggressive and really good. So I think Pop is really good for this team, and I'm glad they got to keep him out because they won a couple times, and he got to be – look. he looked healthy. He, he, he set out the proper amount of time, it looks like, so – Really excited for a stretch run. Obviously, we'll talk through the schedule in a second, but Uh, there's some windows here for Texas Tech to legitimately be in bubble conversation with a win in uh, in
1: Norman. Certainly. Um, Ryan, I know you're the Bart Torvik expert. Am I correct that he has um, like an NCAA tournament probability for each team on his website? Yeah. What does that look like for Texas Tech right now?
2: Right now, they have an 18.5% uh, odds at getting a bid. They project as a 10 seed. Wow. So that's
1: probably... And here's what people might not kind of wrap their heads around. In the last two weeks, you've probably multiplied by 15 or 20 your odds of making the tournament. Now, granted, it went from like... 1% or less than 1% to what it is now. Um, I keep seeing people say that you need to, like you can only lose one more. And I know it sounds crazy, but I think you might actually be able to get in at 7 and 11 or like maybe 6 and 12 if you if you win some more games in the tournament, depending on how those are, quad one, quad two, all that good stuff. The good thing about this conference I mean, it, it's a double-edged sword because you start at 0 and 8 in conference play, or 0 and 9, whatever it was, in part because it's so grueling. And all these teams are so good, but the other side of that is almost every night you have a chance at a quad one win, and th- those are super helpful in this um, NCAA tournament committee formula. And so I, I've started looking. I know your total win-loss record isn't great, but I've started to compare because Lenardi updates his bracket like multiple times a day at this point in the season. And I keep looking at your resume versus the last four in that he has. And honestly, most times as fluid as his last four in has been, you're like right there, your resume using various data points is very comparable to the last four in. And so if you can maintain some of this and get to, I don't know, six quad one wins, I think you're going to hopefully be in that discussion and maybe it's too little too late um, but I think people are fixated on that conference record and thinking like, oh, well, you can't get in at any uh, worse than, you know, this many conference wins. And I don't know, they they might be right. But I think you've at least played your way into being part of the conversation here in the last couple weeks of the regular season.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you saw this on my Twitter or not, but I ran through some essentially scenarios of what texas tech would have to do to make the tournament and you're talking about that that win mark if they go two and two in the regular season with wins coming against tcu and oklahoma state and then they beat west virginia and ut in the tournament they'd have a 64 percent chance at making the tournament they'd be a last four in team but they'd have a good chance at getting a bid and so I think the conversation about winning out the regular season, obviously I think if you win out, you're, you're there. You're, you're going to go dancing. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily what has to happen. I think four wins is really what uh, the metrics are telling you you've got to reach. And I think you really want three of those to come in the regular season. You can afford to lose to Kansas in the fog, but I think you've got to really win these other three because if you win those three, and then you pick up a win in the Big 12 tournament, you've got a 70 per, 72% chance at a bid. So you're probably yeah. going dancing again.
1: And, and that's an interesting part of this dynamic that we haven't had to consider in the last few seasons because the team has finished so good. But that 7-10 through 10 play-in game in the Big 12 tournament, in most conferences, playing the, let's say, the ninth seed isn't going to do you any good. But if the ninth seed is West Virginia and their net is 32 like it is today... On a neutral side, that's another quad one win. And so you could theoretically get a quad one win just in the play-in format. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i with you. I think the committee has always valued regular season games more heavily. But you're going to have a chance to play a quad one game potentially, even in the play-in, depending on if you're seeded eighth, ninth, or tenth. I don't think any of those bottom three teams, OU, West Virginia, Tech, will move up to seventh. But um, – that'll be an interesting part of this to follow is like who kind of, I don't know, finishes eighth versus ninth. I guess it's pretty likely it'll be Tech and West Virginia in some order, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, Rob, I've got a whole bunch of data points I can run through on the current last four in if you want me to, or if you want to take this a different direction.
0: I do want to do that, but I had one more thing. I think the Oklahoma game is really important for what you're talking about to ensure they're to the 10 seed. I think that's important. Um, and also to put it in baseball terms, Ryan, what you, you were just talking about is that, you know, the magic number is eight for Texas Tech basketball. That's you're automatically in, or it would be a shock if you weren't in, if you won eight games through the end of the big 12 tournament, eight, if you had eight big 12 wins on the season. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think that's about right. Cause you, I think you, you've got to find four somewhere.
0: Well, that'd be nine. Well, oh, yeah, four, five. No, that'd
2: be eight. Four.
0: Okay, you're right. You're right. I was, I was getting ahead of myself. Sorry.
1: And, and I'm basically completely ruling out the possibility of winning at Fog Allen. Just, I mean, I, even the team that went to the Final Four got completely housed there. They're in contention for the number one overall seed. I mean, it's just, if you win, they're great. I'll gladly eat that crow, but. I'm basically chalking that one up as an L and then saying you have to hold serve at home. That's two more. And that's where this game in Morgantown and Norman, so important. You absolutely need at least one of those two. Um, You have one. So you you put yourself in a decent position as far as controlling your own destiny, even if you lose at the fog, which I think you will. I don't think you need to like count on beating Kansas in Lawrence to make the field or anything like that.
0: Yeah. And Kevin McCullough hurt his ankle and – People were talking about a missing time, and then he went 9-8 against Baylor.
1: Mm. So he's fine. That game was crazy, by the way. Baylor could not miss in the first half. I forgot what their largest lead was, but on BPI, they had a 91% chance to win with like 45 seconds left in the first half. And in that chart, it was like Baylor up here goes like straight down for 10 straight minutes at the start of the second half. Kansas must have gone on like a 32-6 to six run or something. Anyway, Kansas wins by 16 after allegedly only having a 10% chance to win the game at all. So that's just the kind of uphill battle it is to play there against a good team like that, which is why I'm just not counting on that one at all.
0: Uh, Big Hint says, if does your loss have to be at Kansas if you lose? If you go three and four, does it have to be to Kansas? Or I think it is important to not lose to Oklahoma, but the rest would be – Quad one wins, so I don't think it really matters after that. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, OU, I think their net is 60 something, 60 something. So, they're kind of flirting with falling out of quad one territory, even though that's a road game. If they fall below, I think 75, that will be quad two. But all the other ones, even though they're at home, I think should be quad one because they're all net, you know, top 30 or so. I think maybe Um, in the mind of the
0: committee. It shouldn't matter, but it probably does. That if you lose to Oklahoma or TCU, who's kind of not been strong to end the year, it would be worse than if you lost to Kansas. I don't think anybody would bat an eye if you lost to
1: Kansas. So probably. Well, and I, I've talked about this before on the podcast. I just can't help but look back at some of those games that you barely lost. And it's like, if you had two of those at this juncture, I'm not getting greedy. I'm not saying if you would want all of those, if you would want half of those, but. Like, if you don't choke against Oklahoma and Lubbock, that's probably your worst conference loss at this point. If you can hold on to one of those double-digit leads in Fort Worth or in Austin, if you can fend off Kansas in the final minute in Lubbock, like, you're, you're probably still on the bubble, but you're on the right side of it and have a little bit more margin for error down the stretch here. But anyway, the I'm going to kind of read through Lenardi's last four in right now, which is, of course, the bare minimum of where you want to get to. And this changes not only daily but multiple times a day because Lenardi sometimes updates this like three times per day. Uh, But his last four-in right now is Mississippi State. Their net is 42. West Virginia, their net is 32. USC, net 57. And Wisconsin, net 76. Texas Tech right now sitting at net 54. Um, Mississippi State has three quad one wins. Their four best wins of the season were against net number 14, 19, 22, and 50. So in my opinion, they've got three pretty strong wins, and then their fourth best win is like really not much to write home about. Zero quad three or four losses, so that's good for them. They have no bad losses on their resume. West Virginia, we're a little more familiar with their resume. Five quad one wins. That's a good number for a bubble team. Their top four wins were against net 15, 22, 30, and 51. So same deal, a little bit of a drop-off after those top three wins. Same deal, zero, quad, three, or four losses. So they've got a high floor. This is where things kind of get interesting and where I think Tech, even if the season ended today, might have a somewhat credible argument. USC has three quad one wins. Their four best wins are against net four, so that's an extremely good win. And then their next three best wins are against net 30, net 59, and net 64. 59 and 64 would be like the 10th place team in the Big 12. Um, They have two quad three or quad four losses. Wisconsin, they have five quad one wins. That's in their favor. Their top four wins, net 14, 21, 36, and 57. Zero quad three or four losses. What's interesting about their top three wins all three came, came consecutively out of conference very early in the season, which it's not – I guess that's up to the committee to weigh like uh, recency bias and to what extent they go with the hot hand on Selection Sunday. But Texas Tech has four quad one wins, and so two teams in the final four in have five, two teams have three, so they're kind of right in the middle there. Top four wins, net nine, 15, 20, and 32. So their fourth best win is about as good as some of these teams second or third best win in some instances, zero quad three or quad four losses. So they don't have a great resume. It's not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination, but they're getting to the point where if you looked at the eight teams on the right side of the bubble, the eight teams on the wrong side of the bubble, Texas tech is kind of right there. And so three or four more quad one wins, no more bad losses, um, the only kind of bad loss that they might get is like if they play OU in Kansas City, that could be, I guess, a quad two loss. Um, but anyway, I, it's not crazy. Their resume is kind of right on the cusp right now, in my opinion. If Texas Tech wins two games in the Big
0: 12 tournament, just project yourself on the regular season. Do you think they're in the tournament?
2: Yes.
1: Probably so. Yeah, Just like Ryan said earlier, especially if it's West Virginia and Texas, which is a very plausible scenario. If you play West Virginia in the eight, nine game, and let's say their net is the same as it is today, 32. And then you play Texas, who's net top 10 on a neutral court. It would be, that would really solidify your resume. And it's up to the committee to kind of weigh the conference tournament, the neutral site games. Like last year, A&M went on a tear in the SEC tournament and it, didn't do them enough good to make the field. So you don't want to rely on that, but I think those would be two, you you would have two better wins in conference championship week than most teams would have the opportunity at. And so you could kind of surge ahead at just the right time.
0: Big 12 question. If I gave you Kansas as the solo big 12 champion, regular season or the field, the field would include Kansas, uh, co-champions would you take kansas solo or the field i'm a big field guy but the kansas just feels different right now especially after that
1: baylor game i'm going field and here's why the last game of the regular season is kansas in austin and those two squads are tied right now i I do think it's a three-horse race i don't think kansas state or iowa state can get back in it i think it's kansas texas or baylor Um, but yeah I think it's more likely that somebody will at least split with Kansas and Texas could still win it straight up by themselves so yeah I'll take the field
0: drop your vote in the chats Ryan what do you
2: think I'll take the field but I don't feel good about it I mean Kansas State has got West Virginia at home still that's a game they should win pretty comfortably they've got Tech at home TCU on the road who really knows what what team they are right now really but that's that's a couple that they should have, and then one that they probably will win. So, makes me feel good about Kansas, but gonna take the field because we're gonna play the odds.
0: Is Mike Miles gonna return against Texas Tech in Lubbock?
2: It feels like that would be a uh,
0: the thing that would happen.
2: He played this yeah. this weekend. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm so out of it this weekend. It's at a <laughs> state wrestling tournament. I I, I watched uh, most of the Texas Tech game. And then I took, uh, you know, uh, the the gym, the internet, whatever. And then I uh, watched most of the baseball game too. But speaking of baseball, uh, pretty good weekend. Do you, let's get more basketball in here. Uh, in, any other basketball thoughts from you guys?
1: I have one. Y'all might recall, I don't remember which juncture in the season I asked you all this, but I said, is it more likely that you make the field as an at-large or by winning the Big 12 tournament. I guess it was probably when you were 0 and three or 0 and four or something before the wheels really came off. Um, how would you answer today? Or I mean, have we won enough in the last couple of weeks that you think making the field as an at large is considerably more likely at this point? Ooh,
0: um, with Oklahoma and TCU, Oklahoma State at home. In a scenario where you get a team you've already beaten in the Big Twelve tournament, or at least split with, um, well, you're not going to sweep everybody, anybody. But I, oh, man, I think it's more likely right now that Texas Tech is in the tournament. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'd say, I'd say getting a getting a bid, and I think part of my reasoning there is, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but tech got, you know five guys essentially that are playing about 36 minutes a night. And two of those guys are injured still. (laughs) And so there's just way too many variables there for me in Kansas city to think that this team can kind of hold up for, you know, four games if they're in that, in that play in situation. So yeah, I'm going to go at a, for an at-large bid.
0: Dizzy says uh, that's a hot take, Rob. I I don't think it's a hot take. I don't, I don't think it's like 80-20 that they make the tournament, but I would say it's 51-49 that they make the tournament, and that would make me lean toward Texas Tech will make the tournament. Uh, as we've just said, I think eight is the magic number. You're at four, you have potentially six games left. Is it is it impossible? No. Is it probable? Probably not, but I, I would lean toward it. Because even if even if seven gets you in, if seven Big 12 wins get you in. I think also things we need to talk about and that we haven't yet. Um, if West Virginia tanks, uh, you would steal their bid. I mean, if you're an 8 bid league right now and, and the committee wants West Virginia, and if West Virginia wins one of the last five and then doesn't win in the Big 12 tournament, I think all of a sudden, if Oklahoma State tanks the last couple of weeks and they're you know, 8-and-whatever, and and you're 8-and-whatever with two Big 12 wins in the Big 12 tournament, you might steal their bid. So you might even be the seventh team at the
1: end. Especially like you said, um, if you play them in the first game of the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, and you're both in that first four in or out discussion, that could be a de facto play-in game. Yeah. And I think their resume right now is the one that is maybe most comparable. You have the same win-loss record, the same conference win-loss record, I think the same quad one wins. They might have one more quad one win than you, but they have a lot of quad one losses like you do. No bad losses, no quad three or quad four losses. So I think they're probably just an inch ahead of you right now, which is why they're last four in and you're you're labeled under being considered or in consideration by Lenardi. Um, But, yeah, I think it's it's hard to see a way where they both get in. I think it's possible for this to be an eight-bit league, um but not not terribly likely no
0: and i know you have the bit uh, or whoever tweets from the gauchos account has the bit that says uh, nine bid league or whatever but probably going to be a seven bid league maybe an eight bid league um again 51 49 and and if it is a playing game with oklahoma state uh with the four games remaining I would say Oklahoma's the most important. Oklahoma State's the second most important. And those are like 1A, 1B. And you also have to think about, you know it absolutely could be an 8-bid league and probably should be. Dizzy again says a 7-bid league is criminal, but if the Horizon League has their number one seed lose in the Horizon tournament and they get two in, that hurts the Big 12. If uh, the West Coast Conference, if Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's or whatever and St. Mary's gets in, that affects the Big 12. So you have to go chalk in the one-bid leagues, and then you have to do your own bidding. So it, it is not all Texas Tech's prerogative. Like You're still depending on fate a little bit, but... Based on today and a week ago, I'm much more comfortable saying that Texas Tech has odds to be in the tournament.
1: I gotta tell you, I undervalued, or maybe overvalued, like the the stress of selection Sunday when you're like, are we gonna be a two, are we gonna be a four? Which city are we going to? Like yeah. that would pale in comparison to all these brackets and like looking at, okay, we're the last team in according to this guy, we're the first team out according to that guy, and like you said, have to follow the the big sky league or the horizon league to be like, Oh crap. They might be a two bid league. Now that is like next level stress and suffering on selection Sunday. So uh, I'm glad we're back in the conversation, but if if you are like right on the bubble, when it when this thing ends, it's going to be tough.
0: (laughs) Uh, Ryan says, Avery Anderson out for the season is tough for Oklahoma state, man. When he played with Cade Cunningham, I thought arguably he was as important to Oklahoma State down the stretch as Cade Cunningham was. Obviously Cade Cunningham, a much different player. But o- Oklahoma State really needed Avery Anderson. He was really good in that stretch run for them when they went to the tournament. Uh, he has not been that good again. <laughs> I mean, he's a good player. And he is an up-and-down player. But maybe he just was... Maybe Kate Cunningham was just that good that he made everybody else look good and drew defense and and allowed some more open opportunities. But I really thought Avery Anderson was going to be a uh, like Big Twelve Player of the Year type guy last year, and he just was not. He's been better this year, but
2: he feels very similar to me uh, yeah. to Spencer Sanders, like a guy that can yeah. win you games at times, but more often than not, just ends up kind of shooting himself on the foot with with mistakes.
0: And that's a very apt, uh, even like Brock Purdy. Like he was just as good as he was going to be early and then has just kind of been that good and didn't get better like a lot of people thought he would. Um, before you all move off the basketball talk, can you roast Eric Stevenson?
1: Not really because he was pretty lethal for most of... Saturday's game, I saw his post-game comments. Um, I don't know. It's hard to get, at least in my opinion, hard to get worked up about it after the game. Like if it's pre-game, and he was like, well, we don't want to lose to one of the worst teams in the conference on our home floor. Then you would be like, okay, that's locker room material uh, or bulletin board material. But after the game, it's just like, okay, he's pissed because they lost and, you know, whatever.
0: I think he was roasted by his own fan base in the comments more than we could roast him. Uh, one of them said uh, he lost; to, they lost to us. That was the best comment. <laughs>
1: so that's pretty brutal. West Virginia fans are tough on themselves. Like, yes, they are. Football team has not been great lately. Basketball Huggins has kind of been tailing off a little bit, and they don't they don't take it too well. They're they're a proud fan base, and they should be. They are usually very good in in football and basketball historically. But yeah, they they don't seem to handle it very well. Two last pieces
0: of basketball talk. Mac McClung, NBA dunk contest champion. When the NBA needed someone to bring excitement to the NBA All-Star weekend, they didn't go to Duke or Kentucky. They came to Texas Tech. By the way, Kyle, you are getting really good at writing Kent Hans's tweets, and you tag him in them. I have a serious question: Do mm-hmm. you think Kent Hans reads your gambling gauchos Kent Hans tweets, and then was like, "Oh, I need to tweet out," because he has hours after you.
1: Yeah, the last um, three. Uh, I think two things. He he follows the gauchos. Number one, and he last night he was like liking tweets that were replies to our tweet so I know he sees them and reads them. And I do think – I mean, like he he sticks to the script. And so like he was going to tweet that regardless. But I do think the last two times – oh, when when Pat won Super Bowl MVP, yes. I was like, oh, they didn't get a guy from Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. The thing that's been spooky the last two times is he used the same three schools that I used. Yes. And – basketball too with the Mac McClung. Duke and okay. like Yeah. Yeah. And so I do think maybe he like looks at it and is like, oh, I'll – like yeah, those are good schools to mention. But anyway, he he uh, he's
0: been doing that way longer than you've been. I mean, th- there's a reason you started doing it.
1: Well, so I getting to know the Gauchos back in 2013. Yeah, I was working on campus for the um, freshman, like the incoming students' orientation, and so I heard Kent Hansen's speech like 20 times that summer because he always, you know, would. Every time like the parents would come in, he would address the entire auditorium and he gave him the spiel on like when Major League Baseball needed another perfect game. They got Dallas Braden when the NFL needed a guy to have 100 receptions three years in a row. They got Wes Welker and Scott Pelley. And like I heard all that. And so and then when he sort of got active on Twitter, he started doing those tweets. You're like, oh, yeah, that he would say that in person yeah. for sure track yeah I think I, I think I might have it down better than most just because I've heard that speech so many times that like I', I've got I the,
0: you have it better than Ken Hans
1: <laughs> I've got the cadence down yeah
0: <laughs> uh, we've got a couple comments here D Wayne who I still need to know who is uh, who he is uh, I heard Hans first say it at 2011 uh, Luke is a fan of Ken Hans's podcast apparently. Uh, and then Dizzy says he has hundred percent caught on to the bit and is playing into it. Uh, other bit of basketball news, unless you want to talk about Matt McClug's dunks over two people tapping on the backboard is pretty filthy.
1: Yeah. You know what else is a slam dunk, Rob?
0: Rojino barbecue.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, I wanted to partake this weekend while I was in Lubbock, but I didn't get the chance, but our friends at Regino barbecue are out in Olton every Thursday through Saturday. You can also find them going all across West Texas in the mobile food truck. Best barbecue in West Texas, Texas monthly top 50 Rob win West Texans needed prime barbecue. They didn't call on any of these other ones from the hill country or no, they got a barbecue. Yeah. It's all good. You got to get there early because the lines are long. The the gospel has spread. That's what Aaron told us. He's just trying to spread the barbecue gospel. And thankfully for them, it has spread. People line up every day. So get their early order online ahead of time, com. Make sure your food is there when you arrive. And we appreciate their support the gambling gauchos.
0: Yeah, get your internet order in uh, before 9 a.m. You can uh, have it there when you pick it up. Other bit of basketball news. Did you see the – at least smoke to the new West Virginia assistant? Yes. Okay.
1: Thoughts? Um, I don't know if any West Virginia fans listen to this, but from what I can tell on West Virginia Twitter, uh-huh. the source that tweeted that out is like the most hated West Virginia sports outlet – Yeah. It's like like our version of, never mind, I'm not going to go there. Um, You can fill in the blank there, I guess, if you want to. So anyway, I I take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) Uh, Subscribe on YouTube if you want to get the joke. YouTube.com slash at Gambling Gauchos. Anyway, so I'm taking it with a grain of salt until maybe somebody else reports it. I, I have it, would, a it would be interesting.
0: I have a source that uh, has reported it to me.
1: So, And, it, you know, look, this is looking ahead a bit. But if he needs a, a rehab stint, which I think he does, even though those charges were dropped, starting as an assistant, I think is a good place for him. And that school in yeah. particular is one where he could be an assistant for a year or two and then slide right in and probably do a really good job on the court
0: especially when people think that he uh, Huggins has lost his fastball. I mean, a lot of people think that Huggins is done.
1: And that's where I actually think, that all the other stuff aside, Huggins might not want that sort of presence on his own bench because he knows the fans are – if they have another season like this, they're going to be like, well, get rid of Huggins and just hire Chris Beard. Like, we know Chris Beard can go to the Final Four and all this stuff. So I, I would be a little bit surprised if there were legs to it. But if there's – If they're smoked, then maybe. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Last week, Bob
0: Huggins was doing an interview with the radio guy, and he was downright jovial. I think Bob Huggins is about to retire. I think Bob Huggins was – I think he has come to terms. I'll say this. If if Chris Beard to West Virginia is official in the next week – West, he is the next head coach at West Virginia I think and I think it might be this offseason <laughs> I mean I don't think they're going to gary patterson him but I mean I think they'll let him go out gracefully and I I I know that chris beard is going to coach again I hate that it's probably going to be in the big 12 but with all the familiarity and success in the big 12 that he's had now at two programs and you can argue about success at texas he was only there a year, a year and a half, but he, he can recruit to the conference. He absolutely could recruit to West Virginia. Um, it would be a, it would be a really good hire. Uh, I, would it be, would it be a great hire? I mean, he's not, he's not getting the Art Barrels treatment. He's not. No. He, nobody's gonna cry. Uh, well, people will, people will be upset when he gets hired somewhere again, but I don't think it'll be. There's not gonna be there's not gonna be outrage. He's not gonna get hired and then have the contract pulled. Um it's gonna be crazy that it's gonna be in the big uh the big leagues, but
1: I, I don't know. Ryan, I don't, what do you think would be a good yeah. fit for him to get back into coaching?
2: I mean, that very much feels like uh you know, a head coach and waiting job for him. And I think that's probably the direction this will be heading. I mean, if if you're in AD and you see that the charges get dropped, I think that, you know, m- more athletic directors than not will roll the dice on that and hope that they can mitigate the blowback. And then especially if you've got a head coach who's kind of a, a sitting duck and you're just waiting to see what happens. And I think, you know, with, with Huggins getting into the Hall of Fame and – West Virginia just hasn't really been able to be the caliber of team that they were in the past over the last few years. I mean, I think if you're an AD, especially with what's happening with with Mike Neal right now, and I think West Virginia just got a new um, AD. I think you know maybe maybe you try and roll the dice a little bit here and try and sustain some success. But I think that's probably that's more likely to me than anything else is beard landing on a staff at a power six school I, I don't think that he would take a group of six head coaching job i don't i don't really know what power five opportunities would be available to him um, although that's certainly a discussion that you could have and so i think i think that's where i see him it is uh first on the bench somewhere next season
0: unless you're talking about non-power six jobs unless it's like you know a Yukon or a Villanova or or Georgetown maybe they're done with Patrick Ewing um, those would all be
2: power six jobs
0: yeah.
2: oh they're in the big East um so <laughs>
0: you know what I mean though like uh
2: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: like Marquette sorry Marquette St John's one of those just off the-cusp schools that still have a lot of tournament success in our basketball schools
1: Marquette would be really funny given the...
0: Well, Prashaka's not leaving, but I just I realized I named all Big e schools.
1: <laughs> I saw somebody on message board genius uh, float Auburn because they're I guess they're tired of Bruce Pearl and like, hey, if you already hired Hugh Freeze and you withstood that PR hit, um, hiring a guy who had one charge against him and it was dropped <laughs> is like, you know, cakewalk. So. It would
0: be really funny for whoever Texas hired to hire Chris Beard. Maybe not funny, but
1: oh like if they name Rodney Terry permanent and he hires Chris Beard as his assistant?
0: No, like if they if Texas hired Bruce Pearl, oh Auburn hired Chris Beard.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um real question from Dizzy. Uh how does a school not catch major flack from their fan base and donors by hiring someone tarnished like him? He is very tarnished in Lubbock. I think nationally with the charges dropped and the spin, the immediate spin that the lawyer put out, um, the statement that Randy true put out, and then the charges getting dropped. I mean, nationally, I don't think that Chris Beard is um, tarnished long-term. I I don't. I, I think that will follow him around for his career And I think when, I think when people talk about, and this is being talked about, uh, him coming back to Texas tech, I think that is too much. I think there, I think there are too many, uh, bridges burned or whatever colloquial uh, phrase you want to use there. Um, but I don't think that he's too tarnished to coach again in the next two years. Uh, Terrington says there will be some blowback, blowback, blow blowback from a small, loud group, Twitter. Uh, but if you drop it at five on a Friday, by Monday, people have forgotten.
1: Hey, d- d- does four. anybody care right now about Kendall Briles at TCU? Credit to me.
0: Uh, no. Uh,
1: you know they went through that for a few days, and then we all moved on.
0: Yeah. Just uh, also, have you noticed Chris Beard's Twitter profile? No. Uh, black header name is at Coach Beard. Profile is him on a stool, hint huggy bear, uh, and then at the Final Four in a in a Red Raider coaching role. Well, cool. Uh, Dizzy says, "Cold world." It is. I mean, it is. And should Chris Beard have all the opportunities he had before the incident? No. Will he? I don't know if he has all of them. Uh, He certainly could coach in the NBA.
1: He'll just have to graduate back up to the type of job he wanted. Like, he'll go to a Texas Tech, West Virginia type program. Yeah. And then if he stays clean there and wins, like he probably will, uh, one – no West Virginia fans in this example are going to be upset three years from now if he's got him in three straight sweet 16s. But then two, a – I don't know. I don't know about like Kentucky or somebody like that, but a step up from West Virginia or Texas Tech, but maybe a rung below like the true blue bloods, like maybe Arizona. He would go somewhere like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's – in my opinion, it's basically like a setback for his career. It didn't end his career. He has to go back to the type of job he was at three years ago. And if he wins there, he'll have the same opportunity he had when he was named head coach at Texas.
2: And I'll say this, like I'll, I'll say the quiet part out loud. I I think Chris Beard is a generally not great person to be around. I didn't love my encounters with him during his time in Lubbock. He was very arrogant and condescending. I, I don't enjoy him as a person, But the reality is he's a damn good basketball coach. There's just no other way around it. He gets it. He knows how to get players into his program, and he knows how to build that program culture. And so I I think a lot of people, I'm not saying this is what I would do, but a lot of people are going to look over what happened and, and get this guy on a bench because the reality is success has followed him. Every single time that he's, you know, ran a program success has followed. And I think there are a lot of people that are willing to look over a lot of things. um, If it means a winning athletics program and generating revenue, because that's ultimately what this all leads down to at at the end of the day is, is winning games and selling tickets.
0: And I think as soon as Chris Beard put out a, I want to use the word genuine, but I don't know that I would even believe it, but, at least some type of statement. I think that would go a long way. If he said, you know, I lost my way. Um, I was in a dark place. Me and my fiance were in a dark place and it happened and we're moving on from it and yada yada. I I don't know that that will happen, but I do think that that would go a long way. All right. Um you want to move on from that or do you have a final thought there, Kyle?
1: Nope. Let's talk Mac McClung. Oh, go back to Mac. We didn't really talk about it that much.
0: Yeah, let's do it some more.
1: I interrupted with the uh, Rahino ad read. Oh.
0: So uh, what was your favorite dunk? I, I already said mine. The, the tap in the backboard was... I mean, the 720 was awesome, but... It also wasn't a 720. Well, they called it a 720. What would
1: you they, say? They, was it hey, a seven hundred? couple thoughts on this. Okay. They need to teach a little bit of... What would that be? Geometry? Trigonometry? I don't, I don't even know. Um, Calculus? Because the commentators are going back and forth. They're like, what was this? Is it a 720? He's like, no, it was more like a 360 and a half. It's like, okay, there's a... 540? There's a correlating degree for that. that. That would be a 540. Yeah. Look, I went and Zapruder on it. I wanted it to be a 540. But when he dunks the ball, his feet and shoulders are aligned the exact same way they were when he took off. It was a 360. And it was still a freaking sweet dunk. and
0: Just a really fast 360?
1: There's like an illusion because he kept spinning after he dunked it that made it look like he was like twirling the whole time. It was a sick dunk. He deserved to win, hands down, but it it was a 360.
0: Do you know how I know uh, the rotations and uh, what they are and, and how many spins it is?
1: Tony Hawk's Pro Skater
0: 4? Uh, Two, but yeah. What
1: a lot more older than you. Did you ever – I did ever, really, actually. Did you ever go to Cheap Planet and do like zero gravity and do like 16 oh, yeah. spins? Oh, yeah. I don't even remember like how high it, it was. Like, oh, I just did a thirty-two thousand eight forty or something. It's just ridiculous. I always did
0: the cry stare because I thought it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, That's a throwback. So he, uh, yes, and uh, SSX, SSX uh, uh, what was it? Tricky. approach Tricky. Pro Tricks, Tricky, whatever it is, the mm-hmm. snowboarding game.
1: That was a fun game.
0: There was also a uh, mountain biking game called Downhill Racer. Yes. It was Down, a-
1: downhill Domination? Downhill Domination, yes. Yeah. That you, game- you, could, you could throw bottles at people? Yes. Yeah. I,
0: I've never known anyone that knew that game. Yeah, I love that I'm game. I was the only one that played that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, that was awesome. All right. Um, he also just got signed by the 76ers. They were really high on him during the, what is it? Future stars game. He dropped like 40 the week before, uh, with the blue crabs or the blue lobsters or blue lagoons, wherever he was playing blue coats. Sure. Um, so I mean,
1: the blue lobsters, <laughs>
0: I hope he's, I think, I think it's Maine, right? I think they have a lobster as their logo. I don't know. Um, right. <laughs> that was a bromance moment. Um, I hope he gets a legitimate shot with Philadelphia to end the year. Ryan, I'm not uh, way up on the NBA. I watch the Mavericks basketball. Uh, is there a, a real spot for him with Philadelphia to – I don't know if you know either. I, I'm assuming you do. You're an NBA guy. Um, is there a legitimate spot for him on that roster to, to make some, some movements?
2: He can score, which is a very valuable commodity for – Pretty much any NBA team nowadays, and so I think there's a there's a real chance that he can you know find himself on any bench that he wants if if there's a spot open on a team that needs scoring, and so we'll see what happens. I still think that his size is a bit of a problem in the league, and I think his his speed. Um, it's obviously not fair to categorize athleticism for him in general because the guy can jump 50 inches in the air. But the speed, especially defensively, is a bit of an issue right now, and so I think size and defensive issues are really what's going to either make or break uh, for him finding a role. It's would you qualify?
0: Qual- <laughs> would you qualify him as quick but not fast? I think offensively yes. he has some some burst, but yeah, is he is he deceptively fast? Is he a lunch pail guy?
1: Coach's kid. The gritty. <laughs> what I loved the most about the dunk contest was, like, I don't know. He, he kind of mentioned it after the fact doing some interviews. He was like, honestly, that was kind of a blur. Like, I'm still trying to process it. But imagine, yeah, like your career trajectory. You're in the D League or wherever, or G League, I guess they call it now. They call you up three days ago. Like, hey, yeah, hey, you're in the dunk contest. And every time you go dunk, you have like Giannis and Shaq and all these guys gassing you up. And like you win and you're doing all these interviews, all this crazy stuff. And I guess we just, I don't know, maybe I don't remember. Maybe he didn't do a ton of media availability at Tech. But I don't remember actually like hearing from him very much during his one season in Lubbock. But he just came across with so much humility when like he didn't have to. He could have been like... Yeah, I'm that dude. I just came in out of nowhere and like all fifties, and uh, everyone thinks I'm the man. But he just seemed like actually grateful to be there, but also putting on an absolute show for everybody. And so I was really proud of the affiliation with Texas Tech, like not just because of the dunking, but just how he came across personally. And I think he won over a ton of fans with the dunks and with his personality. And so yeah, I hope he hope he sticks on a roster because I think he'd be a Definite fan favorite. He said he would do the dunk contest again if they invited him back. And so it'd be cool for him to sort of carve out a role as a role player and fan favorite type. And hopefully he could stick in the league for a few years.
0: Yeah. Mac McClung, because he got popular on Instagram first because he was a high school house of highlights guy, people all assumed he was just some cocky SOB. Uh, And he was kind of in high school, but he was flashy and, and it was getting attention and, he was getting recruited. Uh, and then he went to Georgetown, right? And then he comes to Texas Tech, and people are just like, oh, Mac McClung, you're going to get this crazy stuff. And he was never, like, I don't remember a bunch of dunks when he was here. Um, that, that wasn't the role, and that's not how the team played. Uh, he was really good. I think he won newcomer of the year. Um, but the two, you mentioned his interviews. The two I remember get uh, the game winner in Austin. And then mid interview, he's like, All right, I got to go. I got to go celebrate with my teammates. So he's a team first guy. And he always just came across as really genuine. And he's not flashy. He plays flashy because he's really good. Um, but, but I agree with those points. And it's kind of an underrated aspect of Mac McClung. Because I mean, you just think of the he's the Instagram guy, he's the highlight guy. And, and he just, I don't think he plays that way. I think he's just good.
1: Yeah, I, that shot versus Texas was was a really cool memory. Uh, it, it involves Beard, so it might taint it for some people. But I just remember him like dribbling down the court, <laughs> and Beard from the bench basically like pointing. Let's see if I can get my finger in the shot. here. was like pointing at the spot on the floor, and McClung just like shoots it right in the dude's eye, makes it. And then I think they did a an impromptu fireside chat from the plane because they were stuck on the runway, and. This is one of those moments, maybe it was funny at the time, and looking back, Ryan, you're like, no, Chris Beard is just a jerk. But, yeah, he was interviewing, I think it was Terrence Shannon and Mac McClung, and he said something about McClung's shot, and he was like, yeah, we need him to make shots because he doesn't play any defense or something like that. And, like, it was funny because you were coming off a big win, and McClung laughed at it. But now looking back, you're like, yeah, maybe Chris Beard was just borderline insulting one of his players. But that was such a huge shot, and – um, cool memory. One of those guys like McClung and Mooney and all those, you just wish you could have had him for three or four years instead of one. But, you know, he's still giving us a ton of good memories. And you get to cheer for him in things like the dunk contest even after he leaves. All
0: right, we have uh, Tech Tech Baseball to talk about, but we will do that, I believe, in the midweek. Yes. Um, obviously, this series is not over. But real quick, before we get to the mailbag, the Diversified Lenders mailbag, um, a, a player that has impressed you, uh, if you both have one, or if, if Kyle wants to give one, then we can move on. Ryan can too.
1: Baseball? Yes. Ooh, a lot. Um, yeah, a lot, yeah. Yeah, um, a, lo- a lot of good bats. Um, I think Cash has played really well. Yes. A uh, little bit of a personal favorite of mine because a strong meme potential. You know, that poster of Johnny Cash flipping the bird. I turned that around into a guns up.
0: Yeah, that's one of your oh, best works.
1: Thank you. Uh, I thought Brendan Girton, the big Gurt, coming on in relief, but for six innings, he was more or less your starting pitcher that day, and he might work himself into that role. Um, I, I'll, I'll just put it out there. I'm biased toward guys with great mean potential, so I like the big Gurt. I like Blessy. your heart. You just got destroyed by Bo Um I like Cash. But I think Gage Harrelson flashed the bat. You asked me for one guy, and here I am, just like...
0: Yeah, just name them all, Kyle.
1: Sorry. Um, I thought Vuletic looked good at the plate. He only swung the bat once, but you know what I mean? He looked good. Yes. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, now, now I'm curious to see how Trenton Parrish does as the fourth starter and that, you know if he's that guy in the midweek. Um, haven't seen a ton of, well, like, really hardly any, besides that Girton performance, you haven't seen much of your bullpen in any big moments, and so... Want to see how that rounds out, but yeah, a lot of a lot of really promising players. It looks like.
0: Yeah, I thought Josh Sanders, maybe from the bullpen, was your best arm so far. Ryan, he said all the names, but do you want to? Do you have any that you want to add?
2: I think something for me. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I'll, I'll watch Texas Tech baseball whenever it's on. Uh, the thing for me is speed. Like this is just a team that's a little bit faster than a lot of the Texas Tech baseball teams that I've watched over the years, and so it kind of almost feels like that that attempt to counter some of that Yankee ball and, and go a little bit quicker, almost like the Yankees did this past season, tried to gain some more speed. And so I think in, in this series so far, it's looked good. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens the rest of the season. thing,
1: I was going to say, you were recruiting
0: this class long before the Oklahoma series, but they killed you with speed last year. And I mean, you're, you're that fast this year. And uh, two names you didn't say green, this some big stick, and then um, big stick B- energy. Bazel. Bazel's going to be good. I always want to call him Basil because of the great mouse detective, but yeah, hit him with basil. a little basil. Yeah.
1: We'll workshop it. Okay. Um, also, another thing, this isn't specific to one individual player, but uh, you had a major deficiency last season turning double plays in the infield. And I think you've done that four times through three games against Gonzaga. Maybe I missed one or maybe I'm over-counting. But if that can become hopefully a defensive staple for you, as good as the pitching has looked to this point, if you sort of add that element to your game where even if a guy does reach base on a walk or a single, if you've got a decent shot of getting a ground ball in the infield and turning two, uh, that would, I think, represent a, a major leap from last season. So I hope to see that continue.
0: Yeah. And I, I hope you can find two guys that are going to, be staples there because that helps the the defense uh burns lopez green uh, a lot of guys played up the middle this week but really really excited uh after the series ends we will uh do that i i I do have uh, before we get to the diversified lenders mailbag i do have a um a confession okay um i'd never done this in my life but this weekend you know i was with the family the nephews wanted to go somewhere, uh, so I did go to Bucky's. Uh, first time ever, um, I hated it. I will never go back. Too many people. It's too damn big. Uh, I got some garlic beef jerky that just tastes like garlic, which is not bad. But uh, if anybody wants to vote on where to put the sticker on the fridge, we'll add uh, Mister Beaver. Have some Beaver Fever on the uh, front of the fridge here for for the for the boys. And girls, I don't know who's here.
1: I think I've only been to Bucky's once. And same deal, I was like, why do people yeah. wait in line on the frontage road for this? Like, I guess it's cool, but it's not worth it, in my it opinion.
0: Packed 10 a.m. on a Sunday. Packed.
1: Yeah. Ryan, are you a Bucky's guy?
2: There's been a few of them that have popped up over in North Texas over the last few years. And so the traffic up here isn't as bad as it was kind of in the initial wave, but I still think it's, it's overrated in general. Brisket's good though. I, I can do a brisket sandwich. It's no Rojino, but it's good when you're on the go.
0: You know, the That's brisket was really talked up. Uh, I had a brisket and egg taco today. I mean, for gas station brisket, it was, it was not terrible.
1: I'm glad Mateo Nomeo is here to just completely derail the, yeah. the chat. I will say though, very gracious of him. He said he has baseball taste, but he'll let us have our time. We wouldn't want to compete with baseball prowess. So that's big of him. Uh
0: Steven Stevens is team Bucky's for the restrooms only. They were very clean. Um I did not get the fudge. I tried a chocolate covered peanut. Um again, I, I didn't know the plan of attack. I did not plan to go to Bucky's. It was just, you know, the thirteen-year-old and ten-year-old nephews wanted to go to Bucky's, so we went to Bucky's. You know, you can't, you can't do anything else. man.
1: was it premeditated.
0: Not on my end.
1: Apparently, hey, did you all had- notice, yeah. notice that I froze there for a second? Yes. Did you say, "Hey, Kyle, you froze"? When I froze,
0: I did not, because you oh. roasted me for it. <laughs> I roasted you for it. <laughs> I also didn't text you about it. Yeah, let me oh sure. Kyle, uh, happy birthday, man!
1: Thank you. No. Dirty birthday.
0: thirty. Ah, nice. That was uh in February. I was gonna remember the date. I didn't. Sixteenth. Yeah.
1: Hey, make sure I uh, know when your ber- when both of y'all's birthdays are, so I don't drop the ball on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I was I was not going to tell everyone that you tweeted
0: out your own birthday message, but you kind of just <laughs> I was laughing at that.
1: Oh man!
0: All right, uh, Discord mailbag.
1: Can I explain why that's funny? Can I Kyle explain that?
0: Why it's funny that you tweeted your own birthday graphic? Yeah, I don't know that it needs an explanation, but I would love well, your...
1: again. There are layers to this, so I am not a birthday person. Like, I'll be honest with you, Rob. Ryan, I love y'all both. When it's your birthday, like if I see it on Facebook, I might happy birthday, but like I don't, it doesn't move the needle for me. And my own birthday doesn't move the needle for me. I'm not like, hey, let's go do something crazy. and I demand a lot of presents or anything like that. So that's why I tweeted. it. It was like I was being that person who insists that like you spend an entire weekend or week celebrating their quote birthday week. And I think that's absurd. And so I was kind of, I don't actually need anybody to ever wish me a happy birthday. It doesn't really matter to me. And so doing that was a little bit ironic in my opinion.
0: Uh, personal observation for a guy who doesn't care about birthdays. You mentioned it quite a bit
1: leading up. To- <laughs> I did this year. Yeah. I leaned into that. Well, well okay. In my defense, 30 once. in my defense, part of that is because opening day was also on my birthday. And so anytime opening day was mentioned, it was like teeing me up to be like, Hey, that's also my birthday. No, I've actually gone as far as to, like, delete my entire Facebook page for just my birthday so that nobody wishes me a happy birthday. But apparently LinkedIn tells you. and So I have, like, strangers that I've never met on LinkedIn that are like, happy birthday. Like, let's network. And I'm like, no.
0: I have a Facebook friend who has wished me a happy birthday for a decade. I don't think I've ever talked to him in person. And I've never told him happy birthday.
1: That's nice of him.
0: I don't know. And I, maybe he's just that guy that does it to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but I look forward to it every year.
1: I used to back in the day. Um, sorry, we're off the rails. No, no, we're fine. Um, Facebook was just like formatted differently. And if you just wish somebody a happy birthday on a day when it wasn't their birthday, yeah. like everybody else would see it and just go along with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you could totally like four months before somebody's birthday, be like, Hey, happy birthday, Rob. And like, 25 of our mutual Facebook friends would be like, Hey man, happy birthday. And like, they have no idea. So I used to do that to people. It's a funny prank. Yeah, it was, I guess when I was like 16 or something,
0: what's the best prank you ever pulled? Ooh, what's the that's the first question in the discord mailbag that I just asked.
1: Oh, I need some time to think if you were right.
0: Diversified lenders. You can turn your accounts receivable into cash. Diversifiedlenders.com. They do a lot more. If you need equipment um, or, again, cash, call Diversified Lenders.
1: Ryan, do you have a good one?
2: So I used to watch a lot of YouTube growing up, um, especially prank channels. So I was always trying stuff around the house, um, especially with my sister. And one day I tried where you hide a bucket of water on top of the door. And so then when the person opens the door, it, the water dumps on them. Um, and and that just worked to perfection. The bucket actually fell on her head and covered her. She looked like a lampshade. Um, and so that, I was pretty proud of that one.
0: Uh, Steven, Steven says cash is a good NIL opportunity. Yes, it is with diversified lenders. Accounts receivable cash. Uh, the best prank we ever pulled was, uh, my senior year of high school, when we graduated, we dumpster dove for three hours overnight, six truckloads of crap, moldy mattresses, broken treadmills, uh, picnic table, and put it in my history teacher's front yard. And then by 6 a.m., we put uh, signs on two major roads, and people were knocking on his door at 6 a.m. to go to a garage sale of trash. He didn't make any money, and he was up at six telling people to go away.
1: That's my crowning achievement. Um, do you know? you know what cardboard kitty? <laughs> cardboard kitty is no. Uh, it's where you like build the silhouette of a cat out of cardboard and just like paint it black or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you tape like two dimes for eyes,
0: <laughs> and put it in the road.
1: Yeah, put it in the road and like. <laughs> We would do that at midnight and then just like park on the side street. And hey, these people you know, would, like, it, it's hard to describe. There's this like connection street in our neighborhood where like, you could go a little bit faster than a usual neighborhood speed. And people would like slam on the brakes until they like, realized what it was. But one time this guy, like, most people just realize that they like drive past, or, like they'll go yeah. around it or whatever. So one guy got like mad. He like got out, like picked it up and put it in his car. And I think he like saw us. And so we, we sped off. Um, another time, I had this um, I had this app on my phone that simulated a police siren, and my um, my friend's little brother was like hosting some party. They were like sixteen, you know, it's like children. Um, anyway, they were not supposed to be drinking, but they were. I guess um, if they got caught, they could have called Barnett, Howard, and Williams. Anyway, so they were, like, really nervous about this. The kids at this party, and, like, I wasn't there. But so we drove up and, like, parked in this cul-de-sac where the party is. And I, like, turned the volume on my truck all the way up. And they, like, wouldn't even come, like, answer the door to let us in or whatever. Because they were, like, so worried it was going to be the police or something. Anyway, after, like, minutes of – it was, like, a hostage standoff. But this kid finally, like, comes out, and he's walking down the driveway. I, like, blare the siren he was so scared. He like ran like through the backyard and like behind the house. I was like, dude, the police aren't going to show up running a siren because they busted your like underage party. But um, that wasn't really a prank. It's just kind of like a mean thing we did to that kid. But yeah, we did cardboard kitty. That was kind of a go-to.
0: I've never heard of that. It's a good time. Did y'all have flamingo people? No. It was like a pay it forward thing. You would like put plastic <laughs> flamingos, like 40 of them in a yard. And then they would like pay for the next person to do it. And it was like a thing, like maybe it's like a fundraiser thing. We would fork people, get a hundred pack of forks. One time we forked somebody and then put Vaseline on all of them. It's like you couldn't pull them out of their yard. We also- we wrapped a girl one time, and then watched her clean it up. Her mom got pissed, <laughs> cleaned it up at midnight, and then we did it again right when she went back inside.
1: <laughs> I always hated that when. Oh yeah. When your mom was like, why did your friends TPS? I'm like, I don't know, because they're idiots. Like, it's not my fault. I didn't tell them to. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this other time, I just thought of this. We, uh, same friend, same friend's little brother, we, like, simulated a a kidnapping. Um, And then, like, one of us (laughs) simulated a police officer. And I actually don't remember, like, some of the specifics, but these kids were, like, so gullible that, um, like... I knew who I was talking to on the other end, but I was, I think, I don't know if I should admit this. Um, I think it's technically a crime to simulate a police officer, but yeah, um, I've, I've done it too.
0: In prank calls. And he like,
1: didn't believe that we were the police, which he was right. But then I was like, yeah, we've got uh, voice recognition technology here at the police department. Am I speaking to, and I like said his first name and last name in the street he lived on. He was in like shock for five seconds. And he was like, dude, I don't know who you are. Please just bring our friend back. But anyway, um, I wish I could remember more of the dynamics of that, but uh, anyway, we I let them know eventually that like our friend's yeah. little brother was not kidnapped and they were fine with it. But
0: I prank. Oh, cool! Principal. It's a
1: felony. Awesome.
0: Yeah, I prank called my principal's daughter one time. Five minutes into the conversation, he was like, "Uh, Mister Bro," <laughs> he's listening the whole time on the other line. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn! It's like I, I thought I was hiding my voice there, John.
1: I don't think I ever actually said because I knew this was a crime. Like, hey, this is Officer So and So with. But I think I like sort of left that impression.
0: Oh, that was a go-to for us. Yeah, this is Sergeant Picklebody. Or- <laughs> yeah, we'd say that all the time. It's like, you can call me Sarge. We we prank called relentlessly. We were so stupid. <sighs> so stupid. I feel we felt like. We we called them campouts, but it was we just had sleepovers, like almost like in high school every every week. We had a shop we stayed in.
1: I, I was a pretty good kid growing up. I feel like Ryan was a better kid, and Rob. I feel like if we were start bench cutting, you were like probably the rowdiest of the bunch.
2: What
0: to private school? <laughs> <laughs> As I just say all my uh, troubles there. Oh, we did. We 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 uh we TP'd quite a bit. We were we were menaces. Somebody else called Ryan a menace, but
1: that's a funny comment, the last one.
0: Uh Matthew says sometimes I drive by my buddy's house, which my phone connects to his Wi-Fi and Blair Spanish music on some random Wi-Fi speaker. It's like a Google home. I've been doing it for three <laughs> years. <laughs> <Does he> no, <know? laughs> Oh man, I would I would get rid of that Google Home if somebody did that every time. Like even if I didn't like, if especially if I didn't know who it was and it just happened sometimes. I'm paranoid though. All right, let's run through these because we have a bunch of them. Uh, all right, diversified lenders mailbag. I already did the ad read. Uh, what's your favorite throwback logo, team color scheme, uniform, any sport? That's a big question. So many. Right off the top, my favorite collegiate throwback is Texas Tech's baseball throwback with the script Tech. Going to the eggshell shirt. Red lettering. Red hat. Flat double T. Trying to stall for you. You guys have one? Like the jazz throwbacks. Hey, you had a good tweet the other day about the 90s basketball teams. Yeah. Mavericks had a great 90s run. Raptors.
1: I love the, I guess the Rockets fans hated that era, but I love the pinstripe basketball uniforms that the Rockets had in the late 90s. I had a Um, pair of T Max in junior high. Yeah, I like the Spurs Fiesta color scheme, which they're doing that a little bit more today, but um, I like sticking to the Big 12. I really like UCF's throwback. They were the Citronauts. It's like an astronaut citrus fruit looking thing. I think it's kind of cool um really anything 90s kind of themed the uh the purple and teal stuff like the charlotte hornets the nba all-star uniforms were purple and teal the pistons were teal back then i don't know why but i i just love that throwbacks i love that color yeah the jazz ryan do you have any favorite throwbacks Ooh, and the oilers in the nfl yes
2: raptors throwbacks with the actual Raptor on the jersey, those are nice.
0: Yeah, the purple and black so good. They don't use enough purple anymore. I'm a big purple guy. You tell? Uh, oh, also, happy anniversary. That happened in the uh, mailbag as well.
1: Whose anniversary is it?
0: Uh, your wedding anniversary. Is it coming up? Has it already happened? It's not for a couple months. Oh, I, I just assumed since you brought it up. Did you want us to start preparing for that as well?
1: No, that's okay. Okay. Guys, please don't send gifts to my address which i'll share with you just in case but yeah you need a PO no.
0: box for all the really f- unnecessary
1: what's the if 50- you do if you do send me gifts 500 hundred dollar limit like no big deal at all okay
0: is it the wood anniversary
1: uh five years
0: yeah is that the wood anniversary i don't know i'm gonna we'll buy you a uh chuck cutting board
1: okay you don't have to do that just for the record
0: you know, one of us got the other one, a Christmas gift.
1: Um, so. Hey, scoot your head a little bit. Other way. Yeah, that hat behind you.
0: Yeah. Oh, you did give me that hat. Oh, yeah, we're even then. Yeah, we're even Stevesies. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't need to be even though. I mean, that's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> gift you. I would not remember things like that uh, down the road. No. Uh, let's see. What's also, your favorite sticker
1: hey, on your fridge? Actually, I'm not, I'm not over this yet because that was a, an attempted cheap shot. The Christmas gift you got me, you also got it for yourself. So, You also
0: got a Gauchos hat for yourself. I did we not. Both- oh, you don't have a Gauchos hat like this?
1: Not from uh, Spreadshirt or whatever it was before we were with Cardinals. This is my favorite sticker on my fridge. The butthead. That's
0: a good one. There's a couple magnets too. I like. My mom got me a magnet that was like, hey, don't be a douchebag or something. I was like, oh. Thank <laughs> you. Uh let's see. What is phase four? We'll tell you later. Should college baseball play with wood bats? No. No. There's some gun jokes in here. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, we talked about this one already. Uh, But if seven conference wins is believed to be the minimum number to get in the tournament, what past three conference losses would you like to get back? And I'm going to whittle it down to one. You can have one conference loss back this season. What would you get
1: back? I I think TCU and Fort Worth. Well, that and Texas and Austin were just so symmetrical in the way you lost them. Like, big halftime lead. Those are both – I guess Texas because they're the better – like, the higher net team. Um, you would have gotten a lot of credit for that road win. So, I'll say Texas. You're by 12.
2: Ryan? Yeah, yeah got to be Texas. And if I've got to switch it up, I'd probably take uh, the Kansas game at home because I was still within a bucket.
1: That's what I would do. The other route you could go is the OU loss in Lubbock because that was your worst loss, and so that would also help your resume in a different way. You wouldn't get a ton of credit for winning it, but it would help your overall record, and you'd eliminate what I think is a borderline quad two, quad three loss depending on where their net ranking is any given day of the week.
0: To be fair, the question asker, Pancho Loco, had Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas as his three. Yeah. If the Pac-12 becomes a 20-team league, would the Pac-12 drop to a group of five conference? That is a loaded question. If the if the
1: Pac-12 becomes a 20-team league, who's in it? I think they're talking if, they, if you do full-on merger, Big 12, Pac-12. Uh, okay. I mean, if they start adding
0: SMU and San Diego State and...
1: No, that's what I'm saying. Like, if instead of that, the entire Big 12 joins the Pac-12. I think that's what they're asking.
0: Or if the Pac-12 joins... I mean, it would be the Big 12. I don't... I refute. I refuse the uh, question. Yes, it would be a group of five. If if there's no Big 12 teams involved, and you're just adding... I mean, if you join the Mountain West, if the Mountain West joins the Pac-12... It's Fresno State and whoever else. No, I don't. I don't like that. Uh, Big Hen's phone died. What I miss? Oh, Ryan says he's going to send Kyle a stripper to celebrate. Is that for the fifth anniversary or for the birthday?
1: Yeah, definitely don't do that.
0: Uh, favorite throwback from Matthew: uh, the ones that Texas Tech wore against the State and TCU. I do like those. Level the bevel. Rank the Gauchos by level of dick knockerness.
1: I guess Mainville is – start Mainville. Um, I guess for clarification, this is a basketball term, right?
0: I think it can apply to many walks in life. I think Kyle is the biggest dick knocker. Uh, I think you have some bravado, Kyle. I would say you're a dick knocker.
1: You like Talladega Knights? Yeah. For like Cal where I'm a little confused by your tactics. Like I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. So I thought it was a basketball term, and I think Mainville has the most storied basketball career out of any of us. Rob, I think the only thing on your basketball resume, from what I recall, was a, a Bounty Gate-type scandal in junior high. Do you know how when a kid scores and then the whole crowd goes crazy and everybody's like,
0: why, why is everybody cheering? It's like, oh, well, he doesn't score often. I scored two points that year and everyone went crazy. That was my, that was like seventh grade. That was my final year. So I had the bounty gate situation and then everyone cheering for me like I'm a special kid uh, at the end of the bench. Uh, Big Hen is ranking dick knockers. And I don't know if this is one to four or four to one, but he says, Money, Rob, KP, Kyle. I guess Keith Patrick is now a, a gaucho since he joined the gaucho verse.
1: I don't think I'm on good terms with Big Hen right now. Just like man-to-man. I think he's – I think there's some some friction there. And I, I want to get it corrected, but I think that might have weighed into his decision. If guests are included,
0: um, and Keith Patrick more than a guest, you know, great man. Often referenced here on the show. Um, I would go Dallas Braden is probably the biggest dick knocker. And then Sonny Cumbie. BJ? BJ, Cody Campbell probably has some good dick knocker around. I, obviously, I don't know what that means. I don't know if we should be saying it so much. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, we – I think you're the only one saying it. Dick knocker? Uh,
0: uh, let's see. <laughs> this kind of feels oddly appropriate. Uh, getting ready for getting to know the Gaucho segment where one of you admits to a phase as a young child where they went around punching people in the nuts. Either of you?
2: I punched someone in the face during a basketball game once, and it got me kicked out of Boy Scouts. <laughs> was it was it in self-defense? Did the
1: kid deserve it? What's the backstory there?
2: So we were just playing like a pickup game, and I went up for a layup, and he grabbed the back of my shirt, and I'm like, hey, man, that's a foul. Let me get my shots. And he's like, no, it's not a foul. You're weak. I was like, no, I'm not. You you gave me contact. And then he was like, This is contact. And then he pushed me and I punched him, but I got him like right on the nose. Like I really wasn't like I'm not I'm not that guy. But I, I got him right on the nose and he, he started bleeding pretty bad. And uh I guess that's not the the Boy Scout way.
0: Oh yeah. Uh Dwayne is sweating for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> that guy is weird. <laughs> Just start calling him Dwayne. Uh, are the Gauchos planning to drive or fly to the final four in Houston? <laughs> I'll probably drive. I've Sorry. made the drive twice in the last month. Uh, I, I actually enjoy the drive. I'm going to make it again in two weeks because I'm going to go down to uh, Oh, Do
1: you all know what Von Lane is? I know Lindsey Von. No free ads, but... Von Lane is like this; it's like the private jet of charter buses. And so, I might Von Lane from Fort Worth to Houston if I if I can. Nice. See you at Bell Station.
0: Uh, should we do the start bench cut of players' dads? No. Why not? Uh, you oh, you said no.
1: Yeah, I don't want to start, bench, cut, players, parents. I feel like that's a really bad road to go down. All
0: right, I'll do it. Uh, start, bench, cut, Richard Isaacs, Renard Buys Houses, and Henry Columbia. Uh <laughs> No disrespect to Richard Isaacs, but I start Renard Buys Houses. That dude is loyal, still rooting for Texas Tech. Uh, bench Richard Isaacs, and I'm sorry, uh, Bill Walton's kid, if you know, you know. Um, I'm cutting Henry Columbia's dad, which is also named Henry, Henry Columbia. Uh, Luke says, Can I hitch a ride to Minute Maid? Are you in Lubbock? Dwayne says, start Pop's dad the end. Hey man. Bernard, man. He was awesome. Still is. Uh oh, uh Bill Walton's kids starting all three. I'll skip some of the some of the stuff where Kyle doesn't know what a dick knocker is. Sorry, I had to get in one more time. Uh, start, bench, cut, horse, and fanfare. Go fight, win. Fight, Raiders fight. And the Matador song.
1: Start the Matador song. Bench the fight song. Cut the other one. Same. Same.
0: Luke. Uh, yeah, man. We'll talk about it. DM me. Talk about it. Is it possible that Rahinio's is that good? Yes. And it's Rojino with an E. I just caught People really. People have said that. People say,
1: uh I told you.
0: Shelly, what? <laughs>
1: I want to clarify. I said Von Lane. It's the name oh. of the bus company. Von yeah. Lane.
0: Yeah. But Fondling is also an elite uh what was it what did you call it?
1: Von Lane.
0: No, oh, what'd you say? The charter, the charter flights of is that what you said?
1: It's like it's like the private jet of charter buses.
0: Charter buses. Okay. Yeah. Well, Fondling is the private jet of – I don't know. Um, but people say, uh, you know, oh, Rojino can't be that good. They pay you to say that. They do pay us. They are an advertiser. But every time somebody has said that and then tried Rojino, they say, you guys don't even do it justice. We need more. We're going to go again. So – there you go. Von, Von what? Von Lang? Sorry, bud. All right. No, I like Shelly. Shelly's very nice. I like She's Shelly
1: good. too. Yeah.
0: Uh, final thoughts?
1: Are we there already? I thought you said we had a lot of mailbag questions. We just did 20 minutes of them. <laughs> oh, did we? Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. <clears throat> Times fun when um, have flies, man. Okay. What, uh, what did you say? Final thoughts? Um... Yeah. So I <laughs> close every episode. <laughs> Ryan, do we have anything uh, coming up on YouTube that the people need to be looking for?
2: Yeah, I'm going to be working on a video of Texas Tech Shot Makers and how that's really the key to unlocking the offense down the stretch. So look for a video, especially thinking about Jalen Tyson and Pop Isaacs coming early this week.
1: Of course, everybody listening live right now is on YouTube with us. But if you haven't subscribed yet, YouTube.com slash at Gambling Gauchos. And yeah, some really good stuff there. Full-length episodes. And Ryan has put out good stuff all basketball season. That was the moment I knew that I I thought West Virginia was in trouble was uh, Jalen Tyson hit like a mid-range pull-up off the dribble. And it just looked so smooth. I was like, all right, we're here to play. Let's go.
2: That was after, he does not lose. That guy will win you a lot of basketball games, and he he's done it. I, he really willed you to victory in that Iowa State game too.
1: Yeah.
0: I want to say that uh, that shot you're talking about was that after an offensive rebound, or Was that like a like a loose ball? They I don't remember. I just remember the, it
1: being early in the game, off, and think, yeah. thinking like if he's hitting that shot, then then we'll be good.
0: And he had 27. Yeah
1: on like 11 of 15, just crazy efficient.
0: A big Hen is memeing through a comments saying, when you listen to the gambling gauchos, you come for the start bench cuts, but stay for the final thoughts. Is that true?
1: Do we stay for I the of, I think a lot of people leave because of the start bench cuts. I know for a fact we've lost at least one Twitter follower because of start bench cut. Yeah. Well,
0: he's not a very good lawyer compared to uh, Barnett Howard and Williams. That's kind of a straight Actually, yeah, he might be a great lawyer. I don't know.
1: I don't know that guy. But yeah, our preferred attorney here on the show is Barnett Howard and Williams. I wonder what the statute of limitations is on impersonating a police officer, like just asking for a friend there. <laughs> for me? It, oh,
0: all right. Um, oh, I keep trying to turn those off.
1: If you impersonated a police officer as a teenager, then... Call Barnett Howard and Williams, and they'll probably tell you that was stupid. That was stupid.
0: All right, I don't I don't have any final thoughts, man i I said them all, Bucky's man. Tell me where to put it on the fridge. Um, I if you want a full fridge tour, smash that like button, hit follow, comment down below. It's YouTube, baby. Uh, you can also find us where you find your podcast. One more hey, thing. It's way over there. The subscriber. I wasn't
1: pointing. I was the number one. One more thing. Uh, can you all stay on for a phase four discussion once we end the recording here or end the stream?
0: What's your favorite song involving the number one?
1: Oh, see, so yeah, I could go. Brian McKnight. Yeah. Step. Start one. back at one. Um, Nelly, I am number one. Ah. Uh, Damn. Uh, one, one Day More from Les Mis.
0: One Day More.
1: We don't. Hey, let's not Ooh, do. Les Mis again. Oh, only one. one only one by Yellow Card, the acoustic version. Oh, that's Ryan cool. knows what I'm talking about.
0: Ryan does strike me as a Yellow Card guy. Is that true? I dabble. You like, uh, you oh. you like that era of music? I dabble. Shelly wants a full fridge to our next episode. So is it
2: Finger 11,
1: one thing?
0: Yeah about one is the longest. I traded it all. Oh. Oh, I gave it all away for one thing. Man, that's some good music. Had a lot of road trip. Uh, nailed some dashboard confessional. This
1: this uh, road trip, by the way. All right, start bench cut. Hands down, vindicated, or uh, reason to breathe. Uh hands down. Hands down, what? Start. Bench, okay,
0: bench. Yeah. What? Bench Vindicated. Okay. Big Hen is still waiting on money to bust out the guitar. So am I, honestly.
2: So am I. That'll be my final thought next episode. I'll we're play this out.
0: It. We're holding it to you. All right. Uh, we. I got in trouble, by the way, by corporate uh, because we were playing music on our – Episodes. That's why we don't have music anymore. Spotify was uh reaching out to corporate, so won't be our corporate for long. Alright, phase four. We'll see you later.
1: Love y'all.